Tim Stout, Stout on Sports from our affiliate. The game, 7.30 a.m. You can hear him weekday mornings at 10 a.m. Also on TV in the Lansing State Journal. Huge show airs, tape delayed every weeknight at 6 p.m. on the game, 7.30 a.m. in Lansing. I didn't know the last time we had Tim scheduled, I was at the Doak Dean benefit in Lowell, and Superfly said, what about Stout? Uh, We'll do him later, and I thought he moved him later, but Tim uh, stayed on hold. Uh, then told Superfly, uh, do you know who I am? And he got a little upset. So, Tim, I apologize for that miscommunication during my live broadcast. Well, it's not a big deal. I stayed on hold because it was such a big deal to get on the show. I waited three hours, and then I thought I may not get on today. <laughs> so I thought, the, I thought the guest you had on was a better guest than I had. And by the way, I can't tell you how many times my son lives – two miles from Tropicana Field. I can't tell you how many times we've been to Furs before the Rays games there on that outdoor place. You could spend all day at Furs before going to a Rays game and have a great time. So when I heard you at Furs, I said, I know right where he is and mm. what he's doing. Yeah, that, that is one of the biggest outdoor sports bars I've ever seen in my life. And we were there Wednesday and Friday doing the show. And then I did a five-hour tailgate at Ferg's before the Tigers' first pitch, a little after 3 p.m., and then because of opening day in Tampa with the Tigers, the game was only two hours and 18 minutes, we came back and did another four and a half hours of tailgating with Marty and the Michigan Sports Network. And, And I'll say this, Tim, I was stunned how many people that I met at Ferg's who either were down there on spring break who had planned a trip to watch the Tigers open the season coming from Michigan or did the live in Michigan uh, six months and live down in Florida three or four or five, six months a year, and they listen on the iHeart app or at the thehugeshow.net. I, I was overwhelmed uh, with the joy of listeners coming up to me talking about how they listen to the show, and here I was 1,100 miles from home, if not further, at Ferg's in Tampa. Amazing. He, his office, my oldest, his office is about four blocks from there, so he knows the owner of Ferg's. And he says those guys are sweating bullets every year because, you know, the owner of the Tampa Bay Rays, he wants a new stadium. As you know, where that place is located, there's not nearly the population a major league club needs. So we've been to several games there, Bill. I don't know. I mean, I know this isn't your topic. I love that place. I think the sight lines are great. You can see everything. The ambiance is good. I, I enjoy going to games there and – the one break they get are for the games earlier in the year, like you say, on spring break or whatever, depending on what the road team is, especially the Yankees or the Red Sox. You know, they have the visiting fans go in there and watch the games. But when I heard you, I was listening to the show. So when I said, he's at first, I said, I know where he is. And he's having a good time before the ball game. And then people go there, you know, after the game for a nightcap because the food's cheaper than what you get inside the stadium. Yeah, it was awesome, man. And and they have Wisconsin roots, so they were good Midwestern people. And, man, I met listeners from northern Michigan, uh, from Cadillac, Grand Rapids, Kalamazoo, uh, down to Vicksburg. I mean, the entire weekend there uh, in St. Pete was, you know, east side of the state, Detroit, just a, a phenomenal. I, I, I didn't expect it, uh, but it was awesome. And then watching the Tigers, I, again, I, you know, I looked and said they're going to struggle, but then, you know, you watch the Tigers swing the bat last night, and maybe that says something about Tampa's pitching, their lineup, a true American League contender, and it was nice to see the Tigers hit the baseball last night. 
well, especially Veerling. I mean, look, there's 162 of these things. You couldn't have much of a worse series than what they had in Tampa, obviously. Uh, you know, I don't know where this is going to go from, you know, from here. I mean, obviously, Houston didn't get out of its bullpen what it needed because, you know, it came back in the game. And usually if you score six runs on the Tigers, you got enough to win the game. But that's one out of 162 last night. So, you know what, like A.J. and all those managers say, win or lose, you go to the next day and the next day and the next day, you know, and go on from there. But at least they're not coming home 0-6. And that was what I thought might be on the table for them. Yeah, and they're going to be a team that, you know, if they get the 70 wins, it would be a major accomplishment. And I think this entire year is going to be about developing uh, the future. It's almost a re-rebuild after how Alavila just bottomed it out, similar maybe to what uh, Patricia and Quinn did with the Lions, but you're not going to be able to do it as fast in baseball as the Lions are doing it in football. Yeah, I, I think so. I, I think so, Bill. They got a lot of young guys, and and you, you know, once they get into the, their bullpen or you get deeper into their rotation, I mean, I thought Boyd looked pretty good, but I wonder if he stays healthy. You know, a lot of their problems through the years is just keeping guys healthy that have performed for them. So I don't know. We finally got through basketball, so now baseball can take center stage a little bit moving forward. I wish one year before I die there's a decent day of weather for opening day in Detroit just for those fans. They'll play the game Thursday, but, you know, it's going to be in the mid-40s. But I guess if you live in Michigan, you get used to that. And, uh, and uh, you know, at least we have another season, uh, you know, that's here. So that's good. And, by the way, they've updated the weather forecast. They're now saying around 55 and sunny. I think this weather wow. is going to move through. Uh, the cold part of it will get out of there uh, by Thursday morning. So now they're saying 55 and sunny uh, for the Tigers opening day. And I'll be down uh, in Detroit uh, at Tin Roof. And also I'll make a stop over at Harry's uh, doing the circuit on Thursday morning for the Tigers home opening day. I did want to get you on, Tim, to talk about uh, the way too early top 25 college basketball poll with UConn winning the men's title last night and hammering San Diego State. Uh, It stuck out to me that UConn was preseason number one in this way too early 2023-2024 men's basketball top 25. Marquette two, Duke three, Kentucky four, Florida Atlantic five, and Michigan State six, followed by Kansas, Arizona, Houston, and Creighton in the top ten. So there you go for Izzo and the Spartans. Well, I think what's different, Bill, about it, though, at this time in the world that we live in in college athletics, you know, you got 15 or 1,400 these players in the portal. And I noticed today a number of other players from mid-major Division One schools and some from the major schools. Alabama lost a key kid today to the portal. I mean, take Michigan. If you were to evaluate Michigan right now, right today with the roster they have, you'd say, man, are they ever going to win a game? But you know doggone well. When you got 13 scholarships and you're pretty well done recruiting players out of high school, well, you got a wealth of talent that's out there looking for a new opportunity. You're telling me there won't be players interested in playing at Michigan right away. Now, I think it's extremely difficult to determine what those rosters are going to be. Now, more than likely, Michigan State's roster is relatively set, okay? Uh, if, if you assume that they don't lose Walker and Hall, and even if they do, which I don't think they will, but even if they do, uh, you know, they, they got guys around that, and, you know, they're, they're, he's, you know, he says what he wants about not going to the portal, but he's got his time. He's got his eyes open. Don't, don't think he doesn't. Um, but I think if you had to look at the Big Ten for next season as of this very moment, you'd look at two teams. You'd look at either way, one or two, two or one, Purdue and Michigan State. Now, that's 
assuming that Zach Eady comes back. And the Purdue people think that he's probably going to come back. And I think a lot of the influence on a lot of these guys coming back is name, image, and likeness money. And some of these guys that are no lock for the NBA draft, as you know, I mean, the, the, the whole school is going to figure out a way to compensate them to the point where they, they do better staying in school and getting paid than going elsewhere and getting paid. I'm thinking that other teams like Indiana and Ohio State and Maryland have a shot to move into that group of the top five or so. But that's assuming that I know who they basically have coming back and who they're bringing in. Illinois and Michigan look as if they've been completely decimated, and Northwestern's lost players, too. I think Minnesota and Nebraska are way too far behind. I never think Wisconsin has enough. Uh, Rutgers is a tough call, but, you know, Rutgers faded badly at the end. So if you looked at the Big Ten on April 4th, you'd clearly say it's probably Purdue and Michigan State moving forward. But even then... You know, you look at once all these big-time teams, all those 4-1 seeds that dominated play got to the NCAA tournament, look how they, they lasted. And I think it's too bad in a way that the 31-game regular seasons don't have more merit for those who achieve because if you get knocked out, especially early on like a Purdue did, then everybody remembers you as a failure. And I think that's too bad, but that's what the NCAA tournament has become because that's what you remember moving forward. Everybody said, you know, this tournament all about us parody. Anybody can win and all that. That's true. But name me the next time in my lifetime, the winning team in the NCAA men's tournament is going to win the event by an average of 20 points a game, which is exactly what Connecticut did. Yeah, UConn was solid, and I, I think with Izzo and his recruiting class, depending on who comes back, preseason top 10, Michigan uh, losing Dickinson, if he ends up at Maryland, that could put Maryland uh, in a Final Four Big Ten champion conversation. So the portals change. Look at the women. LSU had nine transfer portal players. Nine. No that, question. That, that's how no it's going to be. It, I think, it's free agency I, I, now. I, you know, I had Ann Wright I, on yesterday, Tim, and, you know, he's a good, uh, has a, a great Twitter feed on hoops. He said that a lot of college teams are hiring like a general manager now to work alongside the coach and they go evaluate everybody in the transfer portal from all levels, D1, D2, D3. If you don't, you're behind the eight ball. I mean, to me, especially in basketball, because in football you may need a lot of guys. But in football, one guy can change it for you, let alone two. And, you know, when you look at the teams like Florida Atlantic and some of these other teams that made a run, and, well, this guy's in the port. You know, some of these guys have been at two other schools before they get to school number three. I mean, I can tell listening to Izzo his frustration. Like he says, the college players now have more free agency options than the pros have because the pros are under an initial contract to begin with. Well, in college, you don't have that at all. And like he said, and I agree with Tom, you're going to have coaches hating coaches. Coaches tend to get along, especially on a men's side, I think. But you're going to have these guys trying to save their jobs, and they're going to be poaching each other's players simply because you can do it. And, uh, you know, when they had the NCAA rule that you had to sit out a year before transferring, that discouraged so much of this. Now, for whatever reason, you can have the changes. I mean, think about that. 1,500. We're close to that. It was 1,200 as of Friday. Izzo said it will be 1,500 by the end of this week. Where are all those guys going to play? And you only need a couple of those guys, if they're good enough, that can take you from the depths of despair to maybe turning into you into a championship-caliber team, depending on how fast you can develop together. I, I still think, though, this type of stuff is going to drive more and more 
big-name veteran coaches out of the business simply because it just overwhelms them what they have to do to be able to control the rosters that college coaches used to be able to do that the pros couldn't do. Now you sign a pro, you may have him two or three years, but you know you've got him. With the, with the colleges, you can have him two or three days and something comes up and now he's gone. It's it's amazing how this has changed. It's just amazing to me. Yeah, it could end up costing Juwan Howard his job uh, with the talent he'll have next year. If they're a bottom feeder in the Big Ten, uh, he's not going to get another season lot. Uh, to talk about next fall when we get to the start of college basketball. Tim Stout, Stout on Sports, heard weekday mornings, 10 a.m. on the game, 7.30 a.m. Huge show, tape delayed, weeknights at 6 p.m. on the game, 7.30 a.m. in our capital city. Timmy, uh, great we could catch up again. We'll talk soon. Good. Thanks, Bill. Good to talk to you. Hang in there.